The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. I hope you're all enjoying your Monday. Uh, We have a really uh, terrific show this afternoon. I'm going to be joined by two women. One is our very own in-house contributor, Tish Squilero. Uh, Tish, again, is the CEO and founder of Candor Consulting here in Philadelphia, and she's also the author of Head Trash, uh, books one and two, which can be found at headtrash911.com, by the way. And um, that's going to be the top of the show. And then in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, a very special guest. Her name is Avital Zeisler. Avital is the founder of the Soteria Method, which is a world-renowned fitness and self-defense practice uh, based in New York. She has a truly remarkable story that she's going to share with us um, in just a few minutes. So, Tish, welcome to the show. Morning or good afternoon. I'm in San Diego today, so I'm still working with two time zones. Are you? (laughs) I never know where you are, but lucky you, San Diego. I bet it's beautiful there. From my hotel room, it's quite nice. Good. I can't say I'm walking on the beach. No. Well, you know, you got to keep working. A little bit of work, a little bit of play, right? Right. Um, well, it etches right into our first topic, which yes. is control. I'm I'm fostering a good positive. I don't know. I uh, unfortunately, it sounds like we lost Tish. If she checks back in, we'll we'll bring her on. But in the meantime, why don't we go ahead and bring Avital onto the show? Avital, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Oh, good, good. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm I'm very uh, honored and and thrilled that you could be with us this afternoon. I you know reading your story, Avital, and the work that you're doing. Um, truly inspired me on on many levels and um i i think you know there's a lot of uh reasons why the listeners are going to be inspired by your story today and what i'd like to do is start with your background um and you know what i just got a note from from the engineer tish is back on if you can sit tight avital i'm just going to let tish finish up and then i'll bring you back okay great (laughs) tish are you there Hi there. Okay. Sorry, I, I, we had a little glitch, but That's I'm all right. back. A couple of technical difficulties. We can just go with the flow. Um, yeah. yeah, so you were going to talk about control today. And just to remind the listeners, your book and the work that you do, Tish, is about the um, behaviors and thought patterns that people kind of uh, have in their heads that, you know, keep them from achieving the success that they otherwise would. And today you were going to focus on control, which I think is actually yes. ideal when uh, when we bring Avital onto the show. So finish what yes. you were saying. And, 
Well, I was I was joking, so I'll make that quick. I was saying I'm I'm showing control by not jumping, you know, out to the beach and not working. So right, that's a right. healthy form of control. Yes, uh, head trash is a series of emotions that we have found as consultants working with companies and individuals, where your emotions get in your way and they cause you to make bad choices or bad decisions. We've been using the last couple months to walk through what the seven are, and we're in our fifth month together. And control is, you know, by far one of the most common because we all need some sort of control and boundary. So we sometimes get confused by what's a control of maintaining consistency and what's a control of not allowing others to be part of what we're doing or feeling as if we have to do everything. And that's part of the emotion where many people who suffer from control feel exhausted because they really believe that they have to be involved in everything and sign every check and meet every new hire, even when the company's 500 to 600 people you know, uh, uh, large. It's, it's learning and understanding when your controllingness is actually forcing you not to you know, delegate to others that you might hire or form relationships with people that you can trust to give them the the ability to kind of be empowered and do stuff. And, you know, one of the biggest um, challenges that control bring is squashing other people's passion, making people feel important and wanting to do stuff. Well, when you're very controlling, you kind of ruin that for them because they don't feel as if they can do things on their own. They're not empowered. And in business, that's very difficult to scale without having others feel that they are in control of stuff. Right. Okay. So let me ask you um, one of the most obvious questions, I would think, is how can you determine, and I'll say for yourself, whether the control that you have is an appropriate control. It's the ability to to take charge. We need people that can step in when um, something needs to be done or whether it is inappropriate and and it's stopping you from the ability to um, see other people's point of view. I have two approaches. One is, you know, obviously hiring, right? If you are looking to delegate and have other people become part of either your business that you started or a passion that you're that you're working towards, you want to make sure you have the right person to work with you or to be part of your team. So I always, you know, will think that if you have the right person, that's when I start to see a head trash emotion begin to come because that person should be allowed and able to do stuff. So let's just discount that we have the right person and they're qualified. I put myself through a little litmus test, which we call um, is it Tupperware or China. And the reason I do that is I find that people think visually about how to make choices. And this could be a good way to put a list together. You know, when you drop something in Tupperware, it's usually salvageable. And, and unless the lid pops off, everything's fine. But when you drop something in China, it does scatter and and really become, you know, broken. And what you have to think about is make a list for yourself. When I'm looking at something I'm going to give to someone else to do or a piece of what I'm working on, delegate to someone, I try to look at it from that perspective. Is it Tupperware or China? Hmm. And what I mean by that is if they don't do it perfectly, but we still get the meaning across, well, then we've, we've gotten to the next step, which is we have movement and motion. But if I gave it to someone and it's really a frightening thing if it fails and drops, like it's a major client and I can't have that, or it's something that they don't know how to do yet, so by giving it to them, it's going to shatter, then I put it in the China bucket. And you'd be surprised when people start to make a list, a lot of things are not under the China bucket when you start to realize that you have means to have other people help you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then I have to wonder what you're scaling your business to be. And so if you do the Tupperware in China little test, 
you may start to see things that you could feel comfortable about giving to others because you've already set the stage for yourself that if it's not perfect, it's still going to be good enough. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Okay, so now how about if when we're dealing with others? Um, and I will say, without naming any names, <laughs> I know some people in my in my circle, um, whether it's family or friends, that you know are somewhat controlling, and I will say their intentions are always good. Um, they often are doing it from a place of of love and caring. I'm wondering if there are any tricks um, or tips for when you're dealing with those people uh, and they're you know regularly in your life is there is there i guess something you can say or do that will kind of be an aha moment for them to understand that sometimes it really is um beneficial to consider another person's point of view well there is and i and i have a little slogan called disarm with charm i mean i do try to take a situation where i know that other person um really wants to kind of let go and they just don't know how Mm -hmm. and when i give advice to on the person who feels that they're not able to help or contribute because they have this um uh, inability to get to that other person who is very controlling is ask the question which is you know always a great way to disarm people is to come in with a question and not an attack Like, you know, that project you're working on, are there pieces to it that I could assist with? Or am I doing something not well enough that I should be doing better? Because I want to be able to help more, and I notice that there are still things I don't get involved with. What what can I be doing differently to get more involved? Or would you mind if I practiced on working on doing that with you side by side? I want to show you how much I've learned. It's being able to take someone who is extremely, um, you know, um, you know, introvert in allowing themselves only to be the one to do it. And you have to get them comfortable that they can trust you and do it. And many times by having a conversation and a dialogue and maybe finding out what am I not doing that makes you not comfortable to give it to me can help the person, um, you know, convince and overcome the other person's control nature. Uh, because it's it's a process, right? So they're not going to all of a sudden hand over everything to you all at once. They know, here, you just do it. Instead, they're going to have to do it in small steps. And that's one way is to kind of ask the questions and find out what needs to be done more to get them comfortable. And that should re, you know, result in a dialogue. And then you start having a conversation. And, and basically control is a lack of trust of someone else's ability or capability or desires to do the right thing. And what you're trying to do is get someone to feel comfortable and trust you. And that's, you know, that's going to not always work the same way with different people. But for that person who is the recipient of a controlled environment, that's one way. And for someone who is a controller, the Tupperware China might be a way for them to get a little bit more comfortable with giving things off that may not shatter. Right. Great, great advice, Tish. And I guess those, you know, by asking that question in a way that um, allows that person to, to, to think that what you're, what you're asking is going to be beneficial to them and help them in some way, that will kind of soften, soften them up. Yeah, and as long as you also have to be comfortable as the controlling one, right. that things are going to be not perfect. Like I know even with my children, and this is something that I bet many can relate to, giving them tasks to do that you have done for them forever in a better way that they start to do it, like making the bed. 
both of my kids have to make their bed every morning. And there have been times where I have to run past their room because they call bed making something I would not call bed making. (laughs) But at least it looks like it's not thrown all over the floor. And my husband would say, if you want them to learn, you can't constantly go in and do it with them. That's right. So I've had to like mirror myself, run past their rooms to go. Now I have to say at 12 and 11, their bed is the way I like it. But it took us a little bit and a lot of me delegating with, okay, cup or china where if it's not neat enough, will the bed fall apart? No. Can they get right. in it? Yes. Okay. So yeah. it's not china. <laughs> They'll be able it's to those sleep. little yeah. things yeah. that you have to do it yourself and it gets you comfortable. And that's yeah. really what emotions and barriers are about is what's making you uncomfortable. That's what you have to figure out. Mm-hmm. And then how do I manage through it to become more empowered myself to not make those emotions tell me what to do. Mm, that's great. That's great advice, Tish. And um, it's going to be really just a wonderful segue into um, Avital's story um, when we bring her on. And tell me real quick, what are you going to be talking about uh, your next segment? Our next segment is arrogance. Okay. Our friends who just love to tell us everything that they know. Yeah. We know what that really is, but we'll save that for the next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Tish, thank you so much, as always, for joining us, and uh, safe travels back from San Diego. Okay, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's Tish at the top of the show, and now I'd love to introduce our, our guest for this afternoon. And again, her name is Avital Zeisler. Avital is the founder of the Soteria Method, which is a world-renowned fitness and self-defense practice based in New York. Uh, Avital, I apologize for the technical difficulties and welcome you again to the show. Absolutely no worries, and thank you again for having me. Great. So, listen, I um, I wanted to start off uh, about or start off with your with your background, a little bit about your life growing up in Toronto, Canada, and kind of set the stage for the listeners um, about what what your life was like prior to the incident that really changed everything for you. I understand growing up you you had some great aspirations to be a ballerina, um, also a figure skater and a fashion designer. (laughs) Yeah, uh, um, I'm very artistic and the first passion and love that I had was for classical ballet and uh, at 12 years old I left home to attend the National Ballet School of Canada and I just I loved it you know and and you know beyond the the ballet I went into other forms of dance and it was just such an amazing practice for me to really express myself as an artist and it was you know I, I loved it It was my dream it got me excited every morning to be my best to push hard to grow and um, and also, you know, as you get older and, and thinking about what you want to do with your life and, you know, having the the guidance counselor sit you down and ask you what you want to be for the rest of your life and just sharing with her, you know, everything from um, fashion design to being a dancer to being an artist and, and growing. And that was really, you know, that was really uh, it was just the goal just to find myself as, as an artist through dance. And when you went off to college, what was your uh, major then? My major was business, and I went in um, just because someone told me I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't have the, the marks high enough to get into the program, to be honest. And I, <laughs> I didn't even know what the program was. And I said, you know what, let's try just for myself. And, and those kind of challenges get me excited, and I got in. And it was kind of a blessing, you know, without even realizing it at the time. 
for where my life would go. And, um, it was, it was interesting, but, um, but definitely a great, a great experience and a great degree. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about before, you know, we talk about, uh, what happened to you in college, your dad suggested that you, uh, study Krav Maga. And am I, am I pronouncing that right? Correct. Krav Maga. Krav Maga. Um, what was it that made your dad suggest that you did that? And did he do that for your siblings as well? Well, I was followed home once, um, coming home from school and that kind of freaked my parents out and, you know, they were really wanting me to, to just, you know, try to take a self-defense class. Um, but it was something that I didn't really take seriously. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I was, I was living the perfect lifestyle and, and following all the rules of not, you know, going out and, and not doing anything dangerous and not being vulnerable or, or exposing myself. And that was kind of, you know, my thought, an interesting hint from my dad to, you know, this is actually a, a concern for you. Um, and unfortunately, when I was you know, 19 and, um, and I met my first boyfriend that, you know, I, I was attacked, um, and just, you know, experiencing the dating abuse and the level of assault and what happened really just, of course, opened me up to, you know, the, the violence, but also the trauma. And it was so difficult for me to overcome the trauma. And I, I went through victim services. I was given a therapist. I tried everything. I tried going back into the dance studio. I tried art. I mean, I was just very, very low um, and, and pretty much failing college and just wanting to hide under a rock and pretend like the incident never happened. And I went into Krav Maga because I had known about it through my father. And I went just to learn how to protect myself. And when I went into my first class and I faced elements of my attack, you know, as much as I remember like so vividly not being able to breathe, I was so overwhelmed and I had so much anxiety. But when I physically learned a defense to that specific situation, I felt like it was the first time I had done something positive against the negative trauma that I was experiencing. And I, I became addicted to self-defense and to Krav Maga because, just for that feeling alone. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to feel like I was doing something. And I think because of my dance background, just that physical outlet was something that really related to me as well. Mm-hmm. And I just kept on going from one class to another. And that opened, I mean, it completely changed my life because I was also using my personal experience to judge techniques and to see if what I was being taught was simple enough for me because I always kept on referencing that experience and without realizing the negative incident started becoming a positive benchmark for what I could do with my mind and my body. Now, and from what when I understand is when you um when you moved to New York, and as you said, you were taking these, you know, uh, these lessons, and you were learning how to defend yourself physically, and that was a positive thing for you. But yet, what I read was that you still were living your life in fear, and you were afraid, and you had kind of a an aha moment about. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It was actually like a false empowerment. And I realized that later on, um, because I was, I was functional. I I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting up, I'm going to a class. I'm, I'm, I'm back in school and I'm trying to get good marks again. And I'm trying to focus and, and be, you know, I, I, but I, I could not open up to anyone. I was so negative. My reaction to life was negative. I could not be positive. I could not be happy. And then not only was I learning self-defense, but I became certified and I started teaching Krav Maga. And I had this moment 
where I was like, wow, here I am teaching self-defense and I'm fighting so hard to protect my life, but I have nothing in my life worth protecting. I'm, I'm not happy. And I realized this in one of my lowest moments in New York and then all like, uh, just like almost like an epiphany, I realized, wow, I got this all wrong. That self-defense is far more than just having the ability to defend myself physically, that, that it has to be about creating, living, and protecting a life that I love. So I did feel empowerment through, you know, modifying techniques for who I was as a woman and addressing the needs of a female defender. But I went far beyond that. And it's it was, it was a process. You know, I, I looked at every single attack and I made my own decision and my own approach as a woman of what I needed to know. I addressed differences that were never mentioned. And I went into the neuroscience to understand the mind, to understand the cognitive reaction. I went into the violence prevention and, and how you can really, you know, create a, a safety plan for yourself and a lifestyle, but that doesn't compromise the quality of your life or that you don't live in fear of paranoia like I was before because I was absorbing all of the negatives of self-defense and it was also compromising my femininity. I wasn't happy with the woman I was becoming. And, you know, once I started changing and modifying techniques, I, I started applying life applications of those concepts. And that's really what helped me open my mind up. And I just saw all these correlations between tactics that would actually save my life or prevent an attack to how it could be authentically empowered and live through principles to create the life that I wanted to have. And so that, that experience and that personal journey you know, really started healing me authentically. And then I got to a point where in New York, I was like, I'm going to share this with, with just one other woman. And I saw her response. I saw her transform. She became addicted. I, and then through word of mouth, it, it I, I started teaching this to other women. And it became, you know, it got, got to the point and I, I named it the Soteria Method. And ever since I saw another woman transform that, that first student that I had, I, I, I knew that, okay, this is where I can really authentically give back and where I can help save another life. Because when I look at the issue of violence towards women, I know that I can help a woman prevent, survive, or overcome the the violence and also any other form of trauma when it comes to the healing practice. And so the Soteria Method, it's really this 360-degree approach of self-care, and that's what I'm just you know, dedicated. It's my mission. I just want to get this method, this information and this empowerment and this approach and practice to every single woman I can. And, and so that's kind of <laughs> what I've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just did the whole interview. No, <laughs> no, you know what? I, there's so many things I wanted to talk to you about, Avital. And some, I, I don't know that you realize a lot of what you you have done is so incredibly brave. One of the things I want to I want to step back for a second and talk about your trip to Israel. Um, and of course, the listeners, you know, we're, we're using the phrase Krav Maga and, and they probably don't understand what that is. But when I learned that you, you went to Israel to learn more about it and what to do, you were the only female in the class and you really got, you know, you, you got beat up in that in that class <laughs> in learning how oh. to do it. Um, talk yeah. about your decision to go there and do that and what was going through your mind at the time. Well, I, when I started Krav Maga in Toronto, I was, I really wanted to train at the source and it kind of started this journey of working with professionals. It took me into Israel. It took me to different, you know, locations to work with different instructors. It also 
I was also um, very fortunate to work with people in the security industry and, you know, people who are active on the field and not just from Krav Maga, but different systems as well, and also in, in martial arts. But the my first time going over, I was I was petrified. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I remember the first thing they did. They they wanted us to gear up and 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 spar. And for those of the listeners that don't know what that is, it's just fighting, kind of like what you see on UFC. And and right. I I just it was it was definitely I was so scared. I was, but you know, it comes to a point where you either make a decision to give it your all, and and this point obviously it's physical too. So, or or you don't. And you know, I I was just. It was really life or death for me as far as getting over what happened because if I didn't push myself, the the option to just crawl under a rock was always there. It wasn't just there in the moment I decided to take self-defense. It was there again on the mat, you know, and it was there again the night, be- the, the night after when I'm icing myself from all the bruises. It, it, it was always there, and I just, I had to just do it. And as either do it or don't, black or white for me. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it seems and, like you were always you were always taking steps to move forward, and you were. But it wasn't until later that you really um, came to a place emotionally and spiritually where you felt. I don't know. I don't know whether to use the word you were healed because I'll let you say whether or not you feel you are healed, or to the best place you can be. Yeah, I definitely feel healed, and I and I don't even know if that's the word because what what has happened is I've really found who I am and and what I can do to help others, and I feel like I've gone far beyond what even you know certain people or society defines of being successful or of being um, healed or of having that inner calm or that inner peace. Like I really feel that where I am now is I've, I'm happy with. Where, where I am and, and and just working with these women and, you know, pushing forward. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. You know, I did not plan on coming and on becoming an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I had a mission and I just started a website, like, you know, I just started building it um, with, and, and jumping into every, every aspect of creating a business. You know, I had, a, I have a business degree, but nothing has really <laughs> um, carried through into what I, what I'm facing in the real experience. And, you know, I wish I took a, a website, building course. I wish I took, you know, a online social media course. I wish I took all this stuff, but the, what happened and where I've gone has just become so meaningful and to pay for these discoveries, both emotionally and physically gives me so much meaning and it helps me get past myself and helps me just give my all. And, and also I've learned how to enjoy the journey. You know, it's not about the results. It's also about putting myself and and, and taking care of myself by enjoying the journey. And I feel that it just this cycle of of being healed and and being happy with who I am and what I'm giving back is really like that source of energy that keeps me moving forward. So here's a question for you in in the work that you do with. The, you, first of all, you work with um, you know everyday women who who are looking to to learn this method of self defense. You also work with corporations and celebrities, and um, you've worked with the military. A lot of different different groups of people. Um, I wanted to know if working with these women and the stories that are brought to you then ever take you back to the place where you were insecure. Um, and if so, do you feel now that you just have the tools to, to overcome those insecurities and fear? 
Yeah, um, and if I understand the question correctly, when I work with women, and you know, I, I see myself in all of them in certain at certain points, and I'm very sensitive to what women are facing, but I also am hard on them in the sense that I, I, I show them the way, and I show them steps that can really authentically heal them, empower them, and, and make them want to embrace self-defense in a way that can secure their safety. And, and you know, it's it's every single woman I, you know, I, I care so much about every single person that I, that I teach, but also the ones that I don't even teach, but maybe they're connected to the method in, in another way. And to even hear whether it's the story or the concept and it, and it just turns them on or it gets them, you know, in, interested in learning self-defense. It, it's all part of the mission. And so I, I definitely, and I hope this is answering the question. Well, but, yes, it, it is. So I, so I guess the, uh, the the positive results that you see in your work is what really allows you to stay in a place of um, feeling that that contentment with your life. Well, I I've, I don't I know that I've created the method, but I'm not the method at the same time. Yeah. You know, I have a separation that I am I'm a vital and I'm happy with who I am, mm-hmm. and I know that I've made decisions to help others and. All of this stuff, you know, it drives me, it inspires me. And I'm also, I still identify as an artist. I still identify as a girl that, that has all of this creative, you know, energy and, and ideas. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm channeling it in a way that is making a difference for me. And, yeah. and, and so, but I, I don't identify that the, that the success of my brand is the success of me. I don't see it that way. And I had to do some work to, to realize that. And, but know that no matter what, if I do good and I do the right thing and I keep my word and I stay committed and I just fight for the positive, that I'm happy with that. Right. And, and the impact it can make is, is what I also let the universe just kind of reveal the mm-hmm. way in the house. Yeah, that's wonderful. Listen, Avital, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd love to uh, talk a little bit about your, your TED Talk. We'll be okay. right back. Okay. Thank you. Where does one turn when faced with the devastating loss of hair from cancer or other medical conditions? When Jamie Levin, owner of Wig Elegance, Wigadoo, and Rosalind Stella's Wig Boutique, lost her own mother to cancer in 2009, she and her husband Rob decided to take over the full-service family-owned wig salons to honor her mother's memory. What their company offers is the personal and private experience that men, women, and children deserve at such a difficult time. To learn more about their unique services and warm and compassionate staff at all three salons, such as a free consultation with expertise, full education, private booths, and clean set and cutting services, go to wigelegancewigs.com or call 215-945-4900. That's wigelegancewigs.com, 215-945-4900. That phone number again is 215-945-4900. And ask for your special offer as a listener to the show on selected items, such as $50 off a synthetic wig or $100 off a human hair wig. That's wigelegancewigs.com. 
Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I have with me this afternoon Avital Zeisler, founder of the Soteria Method, uh, which is a world-renowned fitness and self-defense practice based in New York. Avital, I I know that you did um, a, a really wonderful TED Talk, and I was curious to know what was going through your mind during that talk. Oh, my God. You know, I think I should give a little bit of background to it, actually, because um, a lot of people don't know this, but I I have a lot of anxiety um, with speaking to groups. And it's, I mean, I was even, I remember being in college and at orientation, I almost fainted in the audience hearing an alumni speak about his experience. And I could never even do presentations. I was just so nervous. And this, uh, but you overcame. Wow. That's tremendous that that you did that. I could not, (laughs) I could not talk in front of a group. And the first time I started speaking in front of people was when I wanted to share, was when I wanted to teach self-defense techniques. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every day having that anxiety, but it was, it was the possibility of helping others definitely outweighed that. Um, and I, but I never would have dreamt that I would have ever done something like a TED talk. And, you know, the, I saw an, op- an opportunity to apply for one online and I said, you know what, you have, a, you ha- go for it. Just, just go for it. And when I got accepted, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's happening. And you've made a commitment to yourself and, you know, and of course I have the driving, um, you know, energy of, of why I'm doing it because it is very meaningful for me. And so when I, when I prepared for it, I prepared for it. I felt, you know, when I was up there, I was, it was kind of surreal, but at the same time, it it is my, my story. It's everything that I've experienced. I'm so passionate about it. And I really, you know, put a lot of effort and work into it. And after I felt like I had finished another four-year degree, right. <laughs> I was out for like a week. My students were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is it. Let me tell you, that's a scary thing to do. It really is. I, I'm wondering if you, you know, we had Amy Cuddy on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I, I'm, are you familiar with her TED Talk and her book, Presence? Um, no, but I, I'm definitely going. Oh yes, actually, I am. I am familiar with her TED okay. Talk. Okay. I actually played her TED Talk um, during the the TED sessions that I was part of. Okay, so you know, obvi- a lot of what she speaks about is is um, kind of uh, you know, if you if you behave in a, in a confident way, you will come across confident. I mean, I'm not explaining that um, very well. But I get it, though. Yeah, I, I and her, it, yeah. her book, Presence, is really about when you're, you know, in a moment that you're really in it. And so did you feel as though you were you were present as you were giving that TED Talk? Or when it was over, did you have one of those, I have no idea what I just said? No, I, I prepared to feel it. Um, Good. I definitely prepared to feel it. I was doing that TED Talk while I was running in the morning because I figured if I'm going to have like a panic attack or I'm going to have anxiety or I get caught, at least learn how to talk while your heart rates up like that. Oh, <laughs> so I was, that's a great idea. I was, doing, I was doing my TED Talk on a treadmill and I was like... That's a great idea. <laughs> I, I really hope. But, you know, I, I wanted to feel it because I didn't just want to get it over with. I For me, that's like such a unique, special moment to have. For yourself and mm-hmm. also for others and I wanted and you know I wanted to really protect that moment and that kind of comes back into part of the practice part of the Sotari method is when you're looking at the empowerment you know and you're looking at 
you know, I, I really am working to redefine self-defense that you're creating, living, and protecting. So if you look at the TED Talk, for example, you're, you know, I, I created the, the opportunity for myself, but I also wanted to enjoy it and live it, which is part of the definition. So I'm only sharing this to show you the translation and, and the application of, of how the method really does allow you to embrace that, you know, and to, and to push to experience that new definition of self-defense. And so I had a great time. I met great people. And, you know, it's something that I'm very proud of myself just because, you know, I also know where, I, where I'm coming from. And, and that's why I wanted to share that with you, that for me to do this, if you told me I was going to do this four years ago, I probably would have fainted. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't your time. But it's interesting when you, you, you know, you filled out that application and they said, yes, you knew it was, it was time. It was it. Yeah. yeah. I and, you, and again, you have to always make like personal contracts with yourself that you're going to stick it out, you're going to go through, but you're also going to put in the work, you're going to prepare, and you're going to enjoy it. And that's also another, you know, personal commitment. And when you, when you do this, you really do demonstrate to yourself self-love and self-care and self-worth. And it's just, it's so empowering and you grow so much. Mm. One of the things I read on your website, there's a statement that says, we believe that simplicity is survival. Tell me what yes. that, what that means. That comes from the physical tactics that when you're wanting to transform both your mind and your body into a weapon for self-defense so that you can actually overcome the freezes when you're confronted with a threat and facing adrenaline, that you want to really train and, and, and simplify the, the, the reactions and the concepts as much as possible. So even having one concept that can apply to a variety of situations instead of trying to memorize a variety of techniques against one situation. And I, I you know, I've been so crazy about simplifying self-defense and survival because I understand how the mind reacts and I also have experienced it from my own personal situation. And for me, simplicity for self-defense is definitely survival. But it also applies into the life practice and how when you keep things simple and you really focus on the simple things in life, you find happiness, you are, you're able to manage your growth, you're able to be consistent, you're able to keep your word. It's all these positive things that we all want, but how do we do it? And so that, that's kind of what that, that statement represents. I can, I can definitely go into more. Yeah. But that's that's the background. Okay. So let me ask you this. When you when you go about your everyday, um, because you have this ability and this technique and, and these tools, do you feel that you are living life every day in, in a defensive mode or are you living openly because you know you, that you have uh, the ability should something happen? I mean, even with like the amount that I've trained and what I know, I don't feel invincible. I definitely feel that I could be targeted equally to anyone else. Um, and there's definitely things that I that I will be on guard for. But I'm I'm aware of my surroundings, and you know the the term in the industry is situational awareness, which just means simply being more aware of your surroundings in a tactical way for survival. But when I learned that, I, I ended up being paranoid. I ended up being on the defensive side. And, you know, I, I just, I, I couldn't even be present for anything. And I was freaked out and I was ready for an attack. So I was like pretty aggressive <laughs> for every single situation. Mm -hmm. Getting ready to, 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 you know, really execute that survival mindset that I was training. But now I've 
for myself, I, I created what I call positive situational awareness. So yes, I'm aware of my surroundings in a tactical way for survival, but I'm also positive and I'm able to be present and enjoy the moments that I'm fighting so hard to create. So there's a nice balance there and it's something that I found a lot of success with and my students as well. And so that, you know, it's, I can't say that I'm not on guard or that I am on guard, I'm just positively aware of my surroundings in a way that if I did have to switch and if I did have to escape or defend myself, I can turn that survival mindset on, become the animal that I have to in order to neutralize the threat. You know, that, that part is, is kind of fascinating to me. When um, you're, you described yourself when you were younger as being, you were artistic and you, you were, you know, you're a beautiful woman who wanted to be a ballerina. And I'm wondering if it was it difficult to learn these physical um, movements. You know, how do you how do you switch from who you innately are to becoming this incredible, I'll say, fighter um, when you have to? Um, well, from picking up self-defense physically, I think that my dance background definitely gave me um, a, an advantage of, of understanding and knowing how my mind and my body can can connect and what movements I can create with my body. Um, but it was also very challenging because, you know, just stance alone, my legs are trained to be turned out and I have to turn them in <laughs> for, for a self-defense stance. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I... Or I'm, I'm working, I'm using my body in a different way, and I'm also now having, you know, combat. Like, I'm, I'm physically um, engaging in combative techniques and in combative movements, and it's just very different. I, I was very uncomfortable training on the ground. I never wanted to be on the ground. Weapons was, was a whole other world. Um, but, you know, it's just learning and, and seeing that, you really don't need to be bigger, stronger than your attacker to defend yourself and that you can really be successful with with very simple strategies and, and understanding the body mechanics. And so, you know, all of these experiences and, and but, but also being dedicated to really transforming my body into a weapon of combatives of upper body strikes, of lower body kicks, you know, it definitely was empowering and showed me that with consistency, I could rebuild muscle memory. And when you do that, you know, I have a model that I really, I, I, I focus on the mindset for my clients and then I show them how to transform their body into a weapon of combatives that's effective and efficient that is armed with the muscle memory so that their minds can be cleared to really focus on adapting to what they're facing because you have to keep on reevaluating and reanalyzing and reconfirming threats as they're happening because just because you you train in one concept doesn't mean that the attacker is going to respond the way that you think that they will. And that's when it comes to real self-defense, that you don't expect an outcome, that you're just training to use one concept for the type of threat that you can adapt with and keep on adapting until you neutralize the threat. If If I were to ask you which of your students are your best students, um, in other words, when a woman comes to you, are you looking to see what her mindset is or what her physical ability is or, or what percent of each, I'll say? You know, it, it is a complicated matrix of, of what I, I do work, you know, what, what I deal with um, when I'm working with my female clients. They're, you know, they're all, they also come to me for different reasons, and we tend to focus 
um, on certain aspects first. And then, you know, so it's a, it's a very different formula. And I really do customize it to the best of my ability because, you know, height makes a difference. Um, the background, also the emotional position that they're in. You know, I have some women who will break down and they will let everything out and they'll just be like a clean canvas ready to ready to build, ready to learn. And it's just an amazing experience. But every single client, it, it, they're very different, but we stick to the same method, the same concept and the experience of, of self-discovery and of growth and of, and of empowerment is really unique to each of them. And then when it comes to the fitness portion, you know, I really want women to sculpt their ultimate feminine figure for what they want, but to also recognize that their happiness is about creating their own mold of what they want to achieve and what they want to be and not to identify their success or their beauty just by measurements or just by something that could be seen as superficial. Mm. Oh, we need that today for sure. Yeah, that, that's a, that, well, that's something that's very close to me is the body image. Mm-hmm. Uh, issues and, 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 and what it's doing for girls. And it, it is all connected, but mm-hmm. definitely survival and being aware and preventing these types of attacks is, is my main focus. Yeah, it's wonderful, especially for young women. Um, let's talk about weapons of fitness and um, yes. what you're doing. You, you wrote a book, correct? Yeah, I wrote yeah. the book, Weapons of Fitness, and it's uh, it's definitely the... You know, I wrote it to start a conversation with women and teach them the the method and, and have them experience an introductory approach to it for those that I really could not see in person. And my, like I said earlier, my mission is to work with as many women as I can in whatever way I can. So writing the book was very meaningful for me. And Weapons of Fitness, it, it features the, the fitness program. So if you're looking at the, the Soteria method as an umbrella, we have Soteria Survival, which is just hardcore self-defense and violence prevention. Then we have Weapons of Fitness, which is the fitness, conditioning, and nutritional portion of, of the method, but it's based off self-defense tactics. And then you have Inner Soteria, which is the authentic empowerment practice. And so the, the book, it, 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 it features Weapons of Fitness, but it also has a great base of self-defense, and it has a really great, cool life application portion towards the end. The, the three tenets of, of the philosophy that I read about on the website, Avital, are those tenets something that you created, or are they tenets from the Krav Maga? Um, no, I, I, this is everything that I've created, um, the three different categories and the approach it's something that I've I had to I, you know I really created it for myself never thinking back then that I would share it with anyone um, and but I've you know I've just shared it so it, it is everything that I've created for myself and there's you know I, I shortened these when I when I wrote them down but I, I love these three tenants I am no longer a victim I am prepared emotionally to face life's challenges and I believe I can move forward, and this is my right. Yeah. Those are those are great reminders, you know, to to live by, and for women who want to take these um, take these classes to know why they're doing it. Yeah, of course, and you know, I've part of what I'm the work that I'm doing is I'm I'm also working to break down the wall of denial, and I talk about it in my book that women have towards self defense, and you know that that 
wall of not believing it's possible is for many different reasons, whether women think that uh, a male partner who's present can come in and, and save them, or they're not going to go anywhere that they think is dangerous to avoid an attack, or they're going to buy a you know, spray or they're going to download an app, a safety app. It's, you know, all these third-party solutions, you know, of course can be possible, but they're not taking their own responsibility. And when you don't have, and when you don't believe that there's really a solution, I can understand why. And I was of that mindset when I started. I didn't really believe in it. I didn't really think it was possible. And I'm trying to show women now that there is a way, and there's a way that is really catered towards the needs of a female defender. I would imagine most women wake up every day and assume that that they're going to be fine and nothing's going to happen. And just before the show, I read a statistic that said one in three women will experience an assault in their lifetime. Is that true? Yes, it's very true. And, you know, that's and you have to be aware when you're reading statistics of the incidents around the world that don't go report, you know, reported. So it's just, you know, the threat is there. But there's so many things that you can do to prevent. There's so many things that you can do to be proactive. And then, of course, at the end of the day, you want to be the one that can really protect your life and also the life of a loved one. Because I work with parents who come in with their children or we're dealing with the strollers, we're dealing with everything. And it's just, it's something that I wish was mandatory in schools. I wish it was mandatory as, you know, no, no different than going to a doctor for your you know, yearly checkup, your physical, that you're updating your, your, your skills and your awareness and your tactics just to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, listen, we're going to take one last quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your goals for your business. Okay, sure. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215 Where does one turn when faced with the devastating loss of hair from cancer or other medical conditions? When Jamie Levin, owner of Wig Elegance, Wigadoo, and Rosalind Stella's Wig Boutique, lost her own mother to cancer in 2009, she and her husband Rob decided to take over the full-service family-owned wig salons to honor her mother's memory. What their company offers is the personal and private experience that men, women, and children deserve at such a difficult time. To learn more about their unique services and warm and compassionate staff at all three salons, such as a free consultation with expertise, full education, private booths, and clean set and cutting services, go to 
wigelegancewigs.com or call 215-945-4900. That's wigelegancewigs.com, 215-945-4900. That phone number again is 215-945-4900. And ask for your special offer as a listener to the show on selected items, such as $50 off a synthetic wig or $100 off a human hair wig. That's wigelegancewigs.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm joined today by Avital Zeisler, and she is the founder of the Soteria Method, uh, again, which is a world-renowned fitness and self-defense practice. And uh, I wanted to know, Avital, what your goals are for the business, what you would like to uh, see expanding, I guess I'll say, um, for you down the road. Um, Well, you know, the mission is to get the method and to share the method with as many women around the world as possible. Um, but I've always been very, very careful and cautious not to jeopardize my own integrity or, or the integrity of the brand and doing it one one step at a time and being consistent and just building the, you know, the support and the group that would allow me to really branch out. Um, and so I plan on writing more books. I plan on looking at digital solutions, which we've started to, to come up with a few solutions to really share the knowledge abroad and also to build instructors that can help me go out and, and really teach the physical practice. And so I'm, you know, that's where I'm focusing on and, but I'm very open to new opportunities and to really just seeing what can help us share this with other women. Are, and so that's what, that's where, where we're at. Do you have um, instructors right now that work with you, or are you the only one? Right now, I'm technically the only one, but I have instructors that are being developed, and we're getting ready to teach across the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and also, um, you know, there's some other countries as well. But I want to make sure that the instructors are really ready. For me, it's not about rushing. It's, it's about making sure that we're all on the same page and we're all ready mm-hmm. because I, I really want to provide the highest value and the highest, you know, positive experience that I can. Yeah. And so for me, if it takes me an extra couple months, a year, I just want to make sure that we're at the point where the quality is being met and then we're moving forward. Can you talk about some of the experiences you've had working um, with celebrities and uh, some of the the TV shows where you've actually gone and and, um, taught some of these actresses some of the moves that you do? Yeah, uh, working with um, the the shows, it's an amazing experience. You know, I love uh, the industry. I remember my first time being on set. It was like very almost magical because it reminded me of the theater and of performing. And for me, it's like when I was working with actors and preparing them and also, you know, making sure they were ready for their roles, it was great because it was, it kind of brought in my, my survival training and my self-defense background with my dance background, because Mm -hmm. when you train an actor to, you know, physically engage in combative movement, you know, when you're looking for the streets, it's, certain movements won't be picked up on camera. So then I would open it up like I would for a performance and dance to make sure that the camera could really feel their energy and to feel the impact instead of just relying on the sound effects. And, you know, just really, you know, having those opportunities, it's just, it's always great to to explore and to, 
you know, for me, it was like more on the, more on the artistic side, but making sure that their foundation was as realistic as possible. Did you ever consider yourself, you know, um, do, you know, being a stunt woman, I guess. I would imagine it opened doors and opportunities for you um, in the I mean, industry. The amount, that I, the amount that I trained, the amount of times I've been, like, smashed into walls and thrown on the floor, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it could have been good for a few scenes. Um, but, you know, I, I have a mission. I really want to get this this program out for women I'm so open to opportunities like I said I'm, I'm I still identify as an artist mm-hmm. um, but I want to do the right thing and in, in the right time with for the right opportunity and so I'm, I'm just sticking to my plan staying focused you know working one day at a time and who knows what the future will bring but I just I need to know that you know like I, I really want to make sure that I'm I'm paying forward this to other women because it has really saved my life in so many ways. Mm. Tell me um, what you do when you're you're not teaching. Oh, I, I love painting. I love exploring. I love um, time with family and friends. For me, family and and friends is, is so important. Um, and also just, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I like to explore. And like I said, I you know, I also knit. I also I do a lot of different things. Um, so I, I definitely have my practice. I, I love yoga and I love um, taking dance classes now and getting back into that a little bit, which is fun. But I, you know, yeah, it, it really comes down to just family and, and friends and then having fun. Do you, you know, it's there's such a big craze right now um, around meditation. People are, yeah. a lot of people are using it. What's your take on that? I think meditation is wonderful. I believe that we all need to have our own form of meditation. I know that there's different forms out there, whether you're doing a guided meditation or you're taking classes or you're listening to, um, sorry, not listening to, uh, drawing, you know, or coloring books. Like there's all these different things that are coming out now, and I really think it's amazing because if you can center yourself and, and just learn how to let go and learn how to be present and to you know, kind of ride the the wave of life in a positive way. It, it just gives you so much energy that's positive and so much power and you grow so much. And I have the meditation has actually, it's, it's somewhat built in into the method, but my, my way, the way that I've been able to connect with, because I've had issues trying to connect and feeling like I've had to do certain things in meditation. But I, I've brought in my own experience and my own uh, practice. So it's it's cool that, you know, that when you see students training in self-defense, that there's a way that you can actually find your center. What is, Avital, what is the challenge for you in, or that you've had um, with, with meditation? What, what is it that you struggle with? You know, I, I think I would fall into that category of people that had started to meditate, sat down, closed my eyes, and completely did not know how to center myself or where to focus my thoughts. And I had to learn through guided meditations and, and taking, you know, uh, some classes and, and listening to experts and, and, you know, start to learn how to find that center. But I, it's so interesting because the method and the life applications, I feel, give me the gut, the, the tools and the concepts to focus on in order to find my calm. 
and in order to find my peace, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's a wonderful way to end the show, Avita. I thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, give out your website real quick for the listeners if they want to be in touch. Yes, it's www.soteriamethod.com. Okay. Thank you so much, and I wish you continued you. success with your mission. Thanks so much for the work you, you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Have a great week.